We got our Bibles. You want to turn in your Bibles? Yes. Just open them anywhere. If you open them to Genesis, it's fine. We'll get to Revelations eventually. Okay. Are you there? Yes. All right. So I just want to say to you this morning, I have a message for you, and I'm praying for you. Jesus, just let it be interesting to them, I pray. And Lord, that they'll get some revelation out of it. Father, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. So we turn to the Word. The last couple of weeks we've been looking at, J.D. touched on it last week, especially on the kingdom. But, you know, not in a nasty way, but in a really gracious way. God created us to be fruitful. Amen. So if I was to say to you, what is the first commandment in the Bible? Probably the majority of you would say, you know, love the Lord your God with all your soul, mind, heart, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Is that right? But actually there's a one commandment that goes before that. Many years before that. The first commandment in the Bible is not love the Lord your God, which we need to do, absolutely. But it goes in line with the fact that we see basically that right from the beginning, God as the gardener, because he created man and put him in a garden that he had created, with trees that he had created. So it's really interesting that the whole creation story, the beginning story, the first story in the first chapter, in the first book of the Bible, is about a garden. And that theme is repeated right throughout the Old Testament, right throughout the New, right to the book of Revelation. So the garden context, the book of Revelation ends with a garden story, really. So right the way through. And then, of course, Jesus comes when he starts his ministry, parable after parable, he's talking about this garden. It's interesting that he used to pray in a garden. It's also interesting he was buried in a garden. It's interesting he rose again in a garden. Amen? And so very much the whole theme of the garden, and of course, John chapter 15, he says, my father is the gardener. Paul says it in 1 Corinthians 3, that we are God's husbandry, God's field. So without a sort of a a pressure-type expectation, God, as the gardener, expects fruit to come from our lives. And so God is the gardener, and he expects fruit, and that chapter in John chapter 15, I covered it, I think, fairly adequately last week, that the branches that are not bearing fruit, he lifts up, and then other branches that are fruitful, he prunes them to make them even more fruitful. And basically, the context of John chapter 15 is this, that God wants fruit, more fruit, abundant fruit, and that would bring glory to his name. Is that okay? But I want to back up. This probably should have been the very first message, but sometimes, you know, when I reteach it one day, I'll teach it from here first going forward. But that's fine. You're very clever. You'll fit into everything. But if we have a look, and we saw last week that our union with Christ is absolutely incredible, that we are just so intertwined, connected, him and us and us in him. It's just really amazing. But we saw that when what Jesus was elaborating on in John chapter 15, that if we are in union with him, then we also need to maintain communion with him through his word and even in prayer. And that vital connection is what brings the fruit. But I wanted to back up. Let's just have a look. Genesis chapter 1 verse 22, the creation story begins and he you know how he separates land from water and he starts to separate the firmament and all of chapter 1 verse 22, that the fish and the birds, the Bible says, and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. So how many of you know even the animals are blessed? Amen. Amen. 
They're blessed with the power of multiplication. And so if you've got a mommy cat and a daddy cat, if you don't do something about it, they're just going to full God's command. And, they're just gonna, and you'll have a cattery soon, <laughs> you know, because they're just obeying God's instruction because God said them, be fruitful. Now, I want you to know when God says something like that, it's a command in a way, but in another way, it's a grace-filled power-enabling statement. So when God says, be fruitful, in other words, it should automatically happen. Is that right? Okay. Then in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, the Bible tells us that God created man and woman in his own image. And it says, and God blessed them, man and woman, Adam and Eve, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. So the first command in the Bible is called the creation mandate, and that is be fruitful, multiply. That's the first command in the Bible. I didn't, I mean, I mean, I knew it was there, but I didn't know that there were people cleverer than me. And it came, I was devastated when I realized this yesterday that they've studied this long ago before me and they call it, <laughs> I'm, uh, that is a joke, the creation mandate. So the creation mandate of God is be fruitful and multiply. Amen? So all of you should have 27 children by now. Okay. No, no, no. You understand that this particular instruction was primarily, primarily to Adam and Eve to fill the earth with people. You understand what I'm saying? So I know that there are some crazy apostles and things that teach things. Louis sent me one this week. There's an apostle, Paul Paul, or whatever his name is. <laughs> apostle Knucklehead. You know. Apostle Buxtian. Anyway, if you're watching, I'm talking about you. But basically, he says to the men to wear a condom or to take some form of contraception is exactly the same as murder. Now, this is an apostle that's teaching that. I mean, you know, is he going to be responsible now and go and fund those families that he's convinced that of and help them pay their medical bills and all the children that they have? I can't believe, you know what's sadder than that? What's sadder than that is there's some people that believe that. Yeah. That's the other thing that's sad. Knuckleheads. Okay. <laughs> All right. So it was primarily to Adam and Eve to fill the earth. So the first command, to be fruitful and multiply, actually is a loaded statement. Because I want to just tell you, I'm going to take you through Scripture. It's not only about having children. Yeah. It's not relegated primarily to childbearing. And I want to show you this, and I want to take it through Scripture and show you Scripture, and it's especially for those knucklehead pawpaws out there, okay? Because I know you probably know all this and think, gee, it's, Pastor John's only got this now. But the first command to be fruitful and multiply is a loaded statement, and it's placed right at the beginning of the Bible because it's programmatic in a sense, because there's a sense in which we are all pre-programmed to be fruitful and for our lives to experience multiplication. And that's one of the things. In the Old Testament, to be fruitful and multiply 
His primary reference is to having children, but as we continue, we see that it's not only fundamental to being a human being and that it applies to every single one of us, but as we go further in the Bible, we'll see that it has other meaning. You know, I mean, how many of you know Jesus never married and have children? So that was an outright command, he'd be disobedient. Paul said it's better to be a eunuch for the gospel's sake. So he wasn't married, he didn't have kids. You understand what I'm saying? So there has to be something more to it. So the something more is what I want to have a look at. I want to have a look at its development. So how many of you know that the flood came? It was the judgment of God. He judged it by water. The whole earth was destroyed. Only eight people were saved that were in the ark. Amen. Picture of salvation. And when Noah got out of the ark with his family of eight, really interesting, God said the exact same thing to Noah that he said to Adam. He said, be fruitful, that you can find in Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And why was that? Because God needed a population on the planet. He needed people because he'd already made the promise to Eve that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And so he saved eight and said, now fill the earth. So God's command to Noah was exactly the same. So there's a sense in which Noah becomes the second Adam. Okay, you didn't know that. Say, wow. Wow. Yeah, just for my sake. Say, just say, wow. Okay. So he becomes the second Adam. But then along comes Abraham. You know, Abraham, we refer to because of our faith in Christ, because of faith, we are regarded as the children of Abraham. And he's the father of many nations. But that all goes back to a promise that God made to him in Genesis chapter 17. We're going to read verses 1 and 2. And then verse 6. God says, I'm God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Now, there was already people on the earth. And there was already things in motion where the population would have exploded and been great anyway. But now God says, I'm going to bless you and multiply you greatly. Listen to this. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Now, I've got my hand up for that one. I read that one. I go, Jesus, I want to be exceedingly fruitful. Amen? I don't want just an ordinary life. I want an exceedingly fruitful life. Okay. Exceedingly fruitful. And will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. It's really interesting. And you can trace many kings to the line of Abraham, but the greatest king was Jesus. Amen. But if by faith we are children of Abraham, there's a room full of kings. Are you with me? So God's plan suddenly changes because we know the rest of the story of Abraham. So God is saying in the creation mandate, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. Says it to Noah. All right, this planet needs people. But now when it comes to Abraham, he's saying, but there's a particular people that I will bring from you. A particular nation. So something is introduced here in the creation mandate. It suddenly takes a subtle change. God's plan now for fruitful multiplication is not just the increase of fallen humanity, as in the statement God made to Noah. Now it is the proliferation of a redeemed people, the offspring of Abraham. 
Because you know that God said to Abraham, look up at the sky if you don't believe what I'm saying. Count the stars. You can't count them. Well, that's as numerous as your children are going to be. One day, he's around kicking a stone again. Is it going to happen? And God says to him, look down. Look at the sand of the seashore. Can you count it? That's how numerous your children will be. And so just in that, in parable form, God was saying you're going to have two two sets of people come from you. One are going to be spiritual and heavenly, and other are going to be earthly and natural. And so right there, right there, I mean, you can read Deuteronomy when God says Israel is as the stars of the sky. And then in Romans chapter 9, Paul speaking by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit says Israel is the dust of the earth. Because the plan of salvation had changed from the law to faith in Christ. And so what was once spiritual is now natural. So that we together believe in Jesus, Jew and Gentile. That's why Paul says, as you hold on to the word of life, which causes you to shine like stars in the universe, then we go back spiritual. Is everybody with me? How's that awesome? So God's plan for multiplication changes. He's looking for redeemed people, for people that he could redeem for himself. And already we're starting to see the plan of salvation starting to show its head, the doctrine, okay? And when it comes to Jacob... God says to Jacob, I'm God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from your own body. I mean, that's exactly what he said to Abraham. So the promise continues. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So it continues. So now the book of Genesis, there's a strong theme of fruitful multiplication. From Adam through Noah to Abraham, now he's talking about a nation, Israel. All to be fruitful. So it includes promise and command, and the role fruitfulness would play later in the story of salvation is what I'm starting to talk about. Even Moses, I'm tracing, then we're going to get to a place. Is that okay? I promise you I don't have another story, so I'm trying to make it as interesting as possible. Okay? I don't have another sermon. So even in Exodus 1, Moses says, The people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. This is the creation mandate happening before Moses' eyes. In Leviticus 26, I will turn to you and make you fruitful and multiply, and you will confirm my covenant with you. Deuteronomy 7, he will love you, bless you, multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground. Even in the midst of Israel's unfaithfulness, where God says to Jeremiah, right, that's it, I've written out a certificate of divorce. Hosea's prophetic words, you have become a harlot because of the way you be philandering with other nations. In the middle of it, even, you know, they've gone into exile and all kinds of things. In the middle of it, God begins to just speak about his just unparalleled grace through the prophet Jeremiah and the prophet Ezekiel. And he says, however, a time is coming when I'll make a new covenant with you. I'll put my laws in your hearts and your minds by my spirit, and you won't need to be taught by others because you'll all know me. Your sin and unrighteousness I will remember no more. And of course, there's strong, strong gospel language, strong salvation language in all of that. Because in the middle of the prophets, we hear, Isaiah 49, 60, 66, we hear how God is going to include the Gentiles together. Is that okay? Isaiah 54, the barren woman is the Gentiles. And the Lord says, sing, O barren, because more will be the children of you than of her who has a husband, speaking about Israel. Isaiah 56. How many of you know what a eunuch is? 
if you don't know, just ask the person next to you. Somebody next to you, raise because I can't say it on air. Okay. So in Isaiah 56, even Isaiah 56, that the eunuch will have offspring. In other words, you know, the church, which is technically a eunuch, you know, will have children. Jesus became a eunuch for the gospel's sake. But the Bible tells us who will speak of his generation. So there was another people that was to come. So God is going to do something completely new according to those prophetic promises. Something that is not done in the past. So we find great promises of future fruitfulness in the prophets. So in the context of divorce, in the Jeremiah chapter 3, the context is the divorce of Israel from God. Jeremiah says a day is coming when Israel will no longer look back to the old covenant, the old covenant, resembled by the ark of the covenant. Instead, they will look ahead to God's very presence with them, coupled with the blessing of offspring. It's interesting, if you read Jeremiah chapter 3, God tells them to destroy the ark of the covenant. And he says, you will neither revisit it nor remember it. It was a prophetic action saying, get rid of the Ark of the Covenant. So listen to what he says, Jeremiah 3.16. And when you have multiplied and been fruitful in the land, in those days, declares the Lord, they will no more say the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Amen? So there was a fruitfulness to come that had nothing to do with the Old Covenant. There was a fruitfulness coming. So I think all of you clever ones now already can see where I'm heading now. Okay, Ezekiel 36 says the same thing, verse 11, and so on. But now we come to the New Testament. Early on in the New Testament, here comes Nicodemus, a teacher of the law, and he's talking to Jesus. And uh, he's got to visit him at night for fear of the Jews and all this kind of thing. And Jesus is quoting more or less from the Song of Solomon. And uh, Jesus said to him, you know, Nicodemus, You cannot enter the things of the kingdom. You can't see the kingdom unless you become born again or born from above. And right there, it doesn't say be fruitful and multiply. It doesn't say that. But the implication in that verse is that there's going to be a multiplication by or fruitfulness or birthing by a different means. Because Nicodemus's question is, I'm going to enter my mother's womb again. Yeah. You know, and in the conversation, Jesus more or less talks about, no, the flesh counts for nothing, another passage, and he says, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And he begins to indicate the kingdom and the entrance into the kingdom is by birth. Just like the entrance into the physical world was by birth because of the creation mandate, somebody was fruitful and people were born. But he was saying, somebody else is going to be fruitful, and there's going to be people born again into the kingdom, not by natural means, but by supernatural means. Uh, Did you get that? But not only that, Jesus spoke about in John chapter 12, when some Greeks came, and they said to Philip, you know, can you take us to Jesus? And Jesus said, my time is not yet. But he says this in John chapter 12. And verse 24, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat, this is from the NASB, New American Standard Bible, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bringeth forth 
it bears how much? Little. It bears what? Much fruit. In other words, what Jesus was saying was, I am the grain of wheat standing alone that's about to die and falling. But when I give my life, when that grain of my life falls into the ground, it's going to bring forth. We are fruit of that seed. By our faith in Him, we become born from above. Amen. And we are born again with. Now you've got to listen to this. You've got to listen to this. Because there's a creation mandate, but there's also a new creation mandate. So now we're born into the physical world, and he says, be fruitful and multiply. Now we are born again into his kingdom, and the implication is, be fruitful and multiply. And then along comes Jesus again in John chapter 15. The discourse starts 13 and 17. But in John chapter 15, in verse 7 and 8, he says, If you abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. That's amazing. This is amazing, isn't it? But this, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Another way he could say is so prove to be a branch in the vine. Another way he could have said it is, so prove to be my offspring. By bearing much fruit. So as a Christian, fruitfulness has come to mean life in the vine. And I mentioned it last week. This is mentioned right throughout the Old Testament, from Exodus to Psalms to Jeremiah, Isaiah, everywhere. The vine life depends on two things. To maintain that connection, there's two things that constitute communion with the vine. We are all in union with the vine because of our faith in Christ. There are two things, two primary things, that constitute that vital living link connection with the vine. And those two things are prayer and the Word. Because Jesus said here, if you abide in me and my words, that's the Word, abides in you, ask whatever you wish, That's prayer. And so his wish is that even our prayer life is fruitful. And the consciousness of our abiding and the active participation in communion with him in prayer, according to the word, means that my prayer life, my prayers, Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask. I mean, now that brings forth fruit. When you're asking according to his will and his way, and God answers the prayer, that's fruit. Tell the person next to you, answer prayers as fruit. Say, come on, say it's, it's fruit. It's fruitfulness, amen? And so it's really important that we need to understand it because we know it and there's no time to preach it. If we look at the word, a natural man has sperm, seed, that is planted into the woman. Jesus has his word And his word is the sperma of God that is planted into the womb of the heart, the spirit, that when it is received by faith, causes something to happen. There is a conception, and the life of Christ is conceived in us. Amen? 
and that's why he sent his word and healed them. That's why, you know, um, you know it, it says in, uh, in Genesis, you know, don't eat of the tree. And the serpent was associated with the tree. Because God said, I give to you the fruit of every seed-bearing tree. The tree that has got its seed inside it. Amen? Yeah. So when you eat the fruit, you get the seed. Yeah. The seed word. And Eve fell because she ate the words of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. She swallowed the seed of Satan. Amen? And she brought fruit unto death. Are you all with me? And so Christ is the tree of life. So when we eat the fruit of his lips and we receive the seed of his word, it produces fruit in our lives. Amen? Now we are trees. We are the planting of God. In other words, the fruit of our lips, the Bible says, should be praise unto your name. In other words, it should be glorifying God. Paul says it like this, speak only what is helpful for building others up. So in other words, when I speak, the fruit of my lips has got the seed word of God in it. And when people hear that seed word is planted inside of them, and the life of Christ becomes formed inside of them. So we're fruitful. We multiply. Everybody following me so far? Good. And so the creation mandate, the new creation mandate, the vine life, the best place to see this in action is in the early church in the book of Acts, the best place. And so just as God created mankind in his image for his glory, John 15 teaches us that the disciples who abide in his word maintain Fellowship and union with him through prayer will glorify God because they are now his beloved children. So the book of Acts, be fruitful and multiply. Acts 6.1. Now in those days when the disciples were increasing in number. Acts 6.7. And the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many priests became obedient to the faith. Can you hear how the word increased, the disciples increased, the number increased? All because of the word. Everybody following me? And so Acts 16, 12, 24, but the word of God increased and multiplied. 16, 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in the numbers daily. And right there, all of these references are a shout back. They echo back to Genesis 1.28, where God said, be fruitful, multiply, increase, have dominion. And so now in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is inspiring Scripture to say, look, that was the creation mandate. This is the new creation mandate. There's a fruitfulness that's coming. Amen. Acts 16 verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Acts 19 verse 20, so the word of the Lord continued to increase and it prevailed mightily. What a scripture, hey? Yowza, that is really awesome. So Colossians chapter 1 verse 6, Paul says this, the gospel which you heard, it's bearing fruit in you, but I want to tell you that it's bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace in all its forms. The gospel is producing fruit. It's producing fruit. Wow. I'm just going to sum it up a little bit. I'm just going to sum it up. So we're going to just pause now. I'm going to sum it up. How many of you know what Matthew 28, 18 to 20 says? I'll tell you what, Stephen will help you out. We'll put it on the board. Just give you a clue. Just show them the first verse, Stephen. Matthew 28, 18. I'm almost sure that it says all authority. Something like that. I'm almost sure. 
Oh, look at that. And you're all going, ah, I knew that. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. And in verse 19, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And verse 20 says, you know, Teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the very end of the age. But let's go back to verse 19, where he says, Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. I want to tell you, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Genesis 1.28, and Matthew 28, 19. Because he has this new creation, a group of them, new creatures in Christ, born again. And he's not saying to them, just go home to your wives, tell her, bad luck, honey, we're having a whole lot more children. Sorry for you. He didn't go and say, evangelize your bed. He didn't say that. He didn't say that. He said, Genesis 1, in the name, be fruitful, be fruitful, multiply. By, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Everything I taught you, you teach them. Yeah. I'll be with you. Good, good. Yes. So the creation mandate comes full circle. So come on, church. Yeah. There's an expectation from God because it's a command with a promise of his enabling, I'll be with you that he'll accompany us, that he'll help us. But the, some of the fruit that should come out of us is when we speak. Yeah. It needs to contain the seed word of God that gives life to others. Amen? Yeah. I'm going to start winding up. And uh, some theologians say that there's four things that it you know, elaborates and all this, but I won't get there. I'll just leave that for now. But let me just start to sum the message up and say this. Is that when... I put my faith in Christ. I become a child of Abraham by faith, you know, in Christ. And the seed word of God is planted into my spirit, and, and then something is transformed. You know, I, I've been birthed into Christ, and Christ is birthed in me. And so now the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because it's no longer I that liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Amen? And so there's a life of Christ. There's something that issues from my spirit. My spirit. So the difference between your spirit and his spirit is in the capital. His spirit is capital S. Your spirit is little s. Amen? Like he's capital G God, and we are little g gods. Is that okay? But it's interesting. Some translations use capital S. Some translations use little s. They're both right, I guess. It's just the way that you explain it. But Paul says in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace. And the correct translation actually is little s. In other words, the fruit that comes out of your spirit, but it's because of his spirit <laughs> indwelling you, should be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness, all of these things. Is that okay? And so there's that fruit. So the first thing of fruitfulness when we get born again, born from above, is this fruitful life that reflects his character, that we are his planting. We are his offspring. 
we are part of the vine. Amen? And he's tending to us. So there should be all this fruit. And then the second thing is because of this fruitfulness, how many of you know we have a message that automatically flows out of our mouths? And Peter says, always be prepared to give an account for the reason of the hope that is within you. So whenever anybody asks, what's different about you? You can say, it's Jesus, and you can be different too. Is that okay? It's just by faith in him, by what he's done. And so we have a message. We have a message that should just be the spontaneous, natural result that just comes out of us. Amen? Are you all good? But with that, we need to understand the primary role in fruitfulness, the primary role of prayer and the word our union with the vine. The word becomes actually critically vital because Jesus said, if, if. The word if puts fruitfulness into the bracket of it's conditional. It says, if, if you abide in me, my words abide in me, if, 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 then you will be fruitful. So come on, church. I really felt that the Lord was saying for 2023, this is the year of greater fruitfulness. Fruit that you have never borne before. Fruit, a fruitfulness that exceeds all other fruitfulness you have ever experienced before. But it's an if. <laughs> it's if our communion is parallel to that. It's if we spend time. And I think, you know, it's, I don't think, I know, I planned it that way. The 21 days of fasting and prayer is an opportunity for us just to reroute ourselves, reconnect ourselves in that union with Christ by communion with him and take time out to spend time and to pray and to seek him and to be in relationship with him. Is that okay? It's not planned in the sermon. I've got a few minutes. so, So here it is. A lot of people... And I pondered it at one stage as well. I, I said to the Lord, why is it that you gave the gifts of the Holy Spirit? I mean, why didn't you just give them to me? I mean, why didn't I just have healing in me and prophecy in me? Everybody that walks up to me, I can prophesy. Everybody that comes sick to me, I can heal. And he said, if I gave them to you to own, he said, you would forget me, the giver. There'd be no relationship. I remember that as clear as yesterday. When God said to me, I was walking around, praying around here in the church. I said, God, forgive me. Let me find the giver. Let me keep coming to the giver. These things will always be there. Amen? There's something that is imparted. There's things that rub off on you when you spend time with the anointed one. It's like the anointing rubs off on you. Amen? The more time we spend with him, the more that vital life flows. So the word is the parameter. In other words, it defines the relationship. It defines what our prayer life should be. We don't ask outside of that. We don't say, God, that noisy neighbor might kill him. You said whatever. You know that taxi driver that overtook, cut in front of me, let him have an accident and die on the side of the road? It's outside the word. God's not going to answer those. In fact, God might just rebuke you. You know, you know what I'm saying? So it's got to be in the context of the word. 
you know, so you pray for their salvation. Jesus, let him get saved and start driving like a gentleman. Please, Jesus, you know. <laughs> Come on. Prayer in the word, amen, defines a relationship. Union with communion. So here's the expectation, God says. Fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. It will naturally occur when we're in union with him. I mean, how many of you does witnessing to people terrify you? You don't have to put your hands up. I know. Because whenever we say we're doing this outreach, you're conspicuous by your absence. <laughs> I know you're voting with your feet. You're going like, no, I'm out of here. I'm not going to stand there and just talk to you. What, go up to someone and pray for them? What? I mean, that frightens the Gehenna out of me. You know. It's another word for hell. I was being polite. You know, it's like, oh, no, I can't do that. You know, I can't do that. But how many of you know, and, uh, you know, and obviously there are those that prefer outreach and things, but just in your workplace, just wherever, yeah. it just naturally comes out. Yeah. And you're planting seeds, mm-hmm. and the seeds will go, that's fruit. Mm-hmm. And Pastor John says, come on, 21 days of fasting and praying, and we're praying, and God answers your prayers. That's fruit. Yes. I loved what Johan said to me in prayer meeting yesterday when he said, I've watched the theme of your preaching. Um, over the time I've been in this church, and he said, the theme of your preaching is very much focused on perfection. Mm. Let us go on to perfection. I said, no, you're absolutely right. Yeah. And you know, when, when we produce fruit in our lives and people go, yeah, there's something different about you. They've just seen fruit. Yeah. True. God is glorified. Yeah. So come Amen. on, let's continue to be fruitful in 2023. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for answering my prayer. You're glorified. You glorified, I prayed that they would enjoy the sermon. They did. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just raise our hands to the Lord. And I just want to encourage you. Come on, let's just deal with God along the lines of what I've just shared this morning and say, God, make my life more fruitful. I want to be more fruitful, Lord. More fruitful. Father, I want to be much fruit, much fruit. Exceeding abundant fruit is what you said to Abraham. And Father, I want to thank you. Fruitfulness comes to every area of my life. I'll be fruitful in my relationships. I'll be fruitful in my workplace. I'll be fruitful in the responsibility that I'm given, whatever level I'm at. Father, I will bear fruit in the ministry, the context of ACF. Lord, I will be fruitful. Lord, I'm going to seek you and pray and believe you for great answers to prayers. I'm going to be praying for others. And Lord, I'm expecting fruit to come. Miracles and healings are fruit are fruit it's fruit it's fruit and Father I want to thank you through my intervention through me Lord we're going to just see greater healings greater miracles more fruit fruit more fruit much fruit abundant fruit and Lord I'm going to add to John 15 taking from what you said to Abraham in Genesis 12 exceeding abundant fruit in the name of Jesus. Lord, that as parents, we will just continue to bear fruit with our children, as husbands, with our wives, with wives as our husbands. Father, I just thank you, great fruitfulness coming to ACF this year. And then, Lord, fruitfulness is also productivity. Lord, when you told Adam to be fruitful and increase and multiply, you put him in a garden to tend the garden so even the work, everyone's hands would be blessed. Father, just continue to bless the works of the hands of everyone here in ACF, Lord, or every member, a tender friend. Father, that whatever 
they do, Lord, whatever their career is, whatever their, their work is, Father, let it prosper, let it increase, let it multiply in the name of Jesus. Lord, for those watching online, their businesses to increase, prosper. I say, by the word of the Lord, be fruitful, multiply, increase on businesses in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that we'll increase in health and become stronger and, and healthier. Father, every issue will be healed in Jesus' name. Father, your word is so clear, so clear, so clear because you told the Israelites none of the diseases of the Egyptians would be their portion. Father, I thank you that you keep us in divine health in the mighty name of Jesus. So Lord, I just speak blessing over your people. Lord, as the man of God of this house, I say to everyone in ACF, be fruitful. Be fruitful. Multiply. Increase in every area of your life. Lord, where there are things against it, let them have dominion. Let them subdue. Let them have authority over everything that is unfruitful. Paul talks about the fruitless deeds of darkness. But Father, I want to thank you that your people have got authority over the fruitless deeds of darkness, works of darkness. Lord, they bring about the abundant fruit of light in the name of Jesus. So you are blessed. So you are blessed this morning. And so you are blessed by the Lord to be fruitful. Increase, multiply in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Wow.